Sports FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Tuesday, April 11th in the year 2023. Tonight we have a great guest who's been on once before, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces. He's been a massive voice in fighting to keep this death shot bioweapon vax away from our soldiers, and he's had some great success. Now, Patriots, one thing we do know right now is we are seeing the fall of an empire. This is literally the end of days for what we knew as America. And with that, there's going to be a lot of chaos as we transition to our next phase which obviously, as patriots, we want to see that as the true republic. But nonetheless, this is going to require a lot of diligence on our part. And as part of that, we need to make sure that we have a plan in place to keep our family and home safe. There's no better way to do that than to use a tool that allows you to train in your house safely and teach good gun handling and good safety skills, and to also save money and range time. And to do that, you need iTarget Pro. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. Patriots, one of the things that people continue to struggle with is the overbearing nature of this insane information war that we're being immersed into. And that's all by design. That's intended to break us down, make us not believe we have the upper hand, make us think that we're divided when we're not, make us think that our numbers are weaker than they actually are. The one thing about special forces is you get to know these guys. They work with a small group of people to overthrow nations and to bring freedom to the people. Those numbers typically can be like 5% to 10%, and they can overthrow a nation. We have at least 30% and maybe more. So when you're thinking about the current state that we're in, understand that from the standpoint of unconventional warfare, we are in a great position. It's hard to realize sometimes when the media is telling you everything is wrong, there's no hope, there's no future, all that's a lie. We're in a great position. And the way you have to understand this is as 30% of the people hold fast to their line, the state has no power. They lose their power, and that 30% grows rapidly with others that finally join in and say, okay, that's I needed some strength because I don't have the strength to stand on my own. So it's very important in the types of interviews we're going to have tonight and in other positions that you're thinking in and working through to realize that we, the people, are in a very strong position right now. And though it may not always seem like it, the only reason it doesn't seem like it is because of the noise and confusion that's coming out of our media, our information space, and all the voices in, in the public eye. So set that aside and focus on the strengths that we have going forward. Now, part of this time as well is to keep yourself healthy. And that means keeping your immune system up and keeping your whole body health strong. And to accomplish that, one of those things that we have is Field of Greens. They are a fantastic sponsor, a great part of this program now, because Field of Greens is an American-made product 
It is all organic and it is a whole food supplement, meaning that you read the label and it looks like you're literally reading something out of a grocery list. You don't need a science textbook to tell you what's in it. So Field of Greens is a, an amazing product. One scoop mixed with water. All the food products are freeze-dried and then milled down into this powder. So you're getting the full food as a benefit for your body. And each one of these foods that's put in there is designed specifically for a certain part of your body. And to top it off, they are so confident in this product that if you take it and you go to your next doctor's appointment and they don't say something like, hey, whatever you're doing, keep doing it, they'll refund your money. So if you head on over to fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, you're going to save 15%. And if you sign up for a monthly subscription, you're going to save an additional 10%. The best part is you can cancel that subscription at any time. So head on over to fieldofgreens.com, use your BARDS code, and then sign up for a monthly subscription and get what I believe is one of the best products on the market as a whole food supplement for the body. And all of that ties right in with our whole principles of county by county and using God's blessings to keep our body strong and healthy. So again, fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARDS, and you'll find all those links below the podcast. All right, Patriots, let's dig into this interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's a great conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, Special Forces, retired. Well, Patriots, today we have a special guest who's been here before, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Pete Chambers. And I tell you, it's always a pleasure talking to, to Pete. He's shares a similar background to me. We've also happened to work with some of the similar people, and we've had some similar experiences. When you put all that together, that makes for an interesting cocktail. And I don't know where it's going, but I guarantee it's going to be a good good conversation. So, Pete, how are you doing? What's going on? Brother, I'm happy to be alive. Back in Central Texas, been on the road uh, working on the freedom front, the medical freedom, uh, speaking out in engagements and things. But it's nice to be home and uh, you know, always joke about it, but, uh, you know, zombie apocalypse, if it happens tomorrow, I'd rather be home. But if not, then uh, I'm going to have to get here. <laughs> That's the truth right now. Now, home is Texas still? Central Texas, yes. All right. So just for the sake of the people that didn't hear you last time, give us just a kind of a brief snapshot of your background. Sure. Yeah. Uh, 1983, Ronald Reagan was president. I became a uh, infantryman. Uh, I've worked as a paratrooper and, uh, and a Green Beret uh, officer uh, trained as well. And then uh, somewhere along the way, I decided to go to med school, got out, had a break in service, still in the IRR. Uh, that's why my LES said 39 years on it when I retired. But 9-11 uh, happened, and I was on my way to uh, becoming a rich and famous doctor, and that just didn't happen. Um, and I came back in, went to SF right away, was a special forces doctor. From uh, It took me a little while to get back on the books, but uh, after the initial invasion of Afghanistan, I ended up going to Iraq and uh with special forces and uh was a doc for them for gosh a long time and done all the things the team guys were doing on the x you know taking care of where the patients were uh the x being the place where people get shot and uh you know i could move with the guys and shoot and all that and communicate but uh they just wouldn't send the guy to the course so i re re resigned my commission went into uh, use of socks special operations command uh, headquarters and uh talked to the psychiatrist first because they said why are you doing this? And I happened to know him. I went to med school with him. So we, we caught up and I said, dude, I got some secrets on you. You're going to have to sign off on this. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, no problem. But he went down the hall and he spoke to a, uh, the commanding general and the commanding general called me in his office and I uh, had to have a meeting with him. And he said, uh, you know, this is, uh, I, I remember you from Iraq from way back in the day. This was around 2010 when I was doing this from 2003 to 10, just being a doc. And he said, uh, if anybody's going to make it through, Doc, I know it's going to be you. So uh, I'm going to sign a few waivers for age and for uh, rank and for your AOC, your specialty, you know, you're a you know, flight surgeon. And uh, he sent me to the course, uh, selection all the way through uh, language, SEER, uh, you know, year-long Q course, and uh, became fully qualified. And that opened up a lot of doors, some of which I never thought or expected that would happen. But uh Got me there, 2015, retired, uh, contracted for a while, went to the Texas National Guard, ended up on the border mission, uh, Texas-Mexico border with the uh, three of the 141 fame unit, was all the way back to the Alamo, their first battle streamer. So kind of proud of that. I came in as an infantry grunt and left as an infantry grunt, so to speak. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, there's a lot that's happened since we last talked. And it's, oh my gosh, yeah. things are moving fast. 
what where are you what do you see right now with this whole situation? Because we've got a what I would call the big distraction, which is everybody's eyes on President Trump in mm-hmm. um, Manhattan, and at the same time, we have probably the singular greatest event in our nation's history since maybe 1776, which is the complete transformation of our currency into a what they want it to be, which is this massive slave debt system. Right. Yeah, that's this is it's a fascinating time to live in. I always said I wish I was born during the Civil War era. I should have been a cavalryman, but I'm going to say now, now I am I am so glad to be here because this is the this is the fight for humanity. This is I I don't know you know much about end times, and I don't think that many people could actually pinpoint a date. I don't know anybody can, but Christ alone. But I'll say this that we are living in the most interesting of times that are approaching that. And these, these tribulations that we're going through very minuscule compared to what Christ did on the cross for us, uh, you know, his blood just to uh, grace us with the eternal life. If should we choose to take it, but I'm going to tell you that right now, what has happened to this country is, is a technique and it's, it's a fascinating technique that they used. And it's not just a technique. It's a, it's a multiple lines of effort that, that are trying to usurp the freedoms and the, the, uh, the the sovereignties that our forefathers came across the you know a, a vast expanse of of oceans in those days was no small thing to create probably uh, the most unique style of governance ever known to man uh, and I don't and I believe it was inspired by the Bible I believe it was inspired by those like John Knox and and those that went before that uh, talk about the doctrine of lesser magistrates I say the greater magistrates but it was inspired and and now the 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 prize if you will because this was the prize of the world for monetary reasons and for for our ability to to create and our ability to continue to walk in that subversively they've been doing this they being the globalist uh privateers of the world the the evil ones the evildoers the owners whatever you want to call them the bank you know the large banks the, you know not the mom and pop banks down the street but uh, this rule over us is now almost in completion created, which something I've been trained to do as an unconventional warrior to go and overthrow a, an illegitimate government or a, uh, a bad actor state or uh, a bad actor in the form of an ISIS or Al Qaeda. This, I couldn't even sit down and war game this and create this. This is, this is uh, so much above and beyond any man's comprehension. I think this was uh, demonically d- derived and, and planned, but uh you know, I don't want to focus too much on on the spirituality of it, but the, I've got to bring that in. If if otherwise, I'm missing a big piece. So we are in the most interesting of times, and this had to happen. Unfortunately, it had to happen. There will be casualties of this type of war, uh, either mentally or physically. Um, there always are are casualties, um, but we that have discernment that can see there's more and more of us. You know, there are more and more of us, and and it's it's fascinating. Well, it's also an interesting time when we deal with anxiety because okay. it's, it's to me, it's one of their greatest tools, right? I mean, they'd like to get us into the state of fear and anxiety, and then that pivots us away from our spiritual center and our relationship with Father God. Right. I want to talk to you about something that you and I shared briefly before the show, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of gave you a little glimpse on some of the things I did in Afghanistan. And we were talking about operating alone. Uh, And I I just want to put this in context a little bit because one of the things that was unique when I worked with special operations, in particular with special forces teams, is I had this very unusual uh, authorities would be the right way of saying it. And and that is that I, I could travel anywhere and do anything literally without having to file an official CONOP or operational order. And it, it led to some very um, concern. It was people that were concerned for me. I mean, literally, like I told you the story, the first sergeant of the, of the um, JSOC unit I was with was literally came to me one day and he's like, hey, Scott, and I go, yeah, Top, what's up? And he's like, just do me a favor. At least call me on these phase lines because I know you don't have to file any paperwork when you go, but I need to know that you're alive. When I made the step originally into that, which was well before I got with that group, and started to operate fully on your own, there's a a nerve-wracking place. But it really, 
as you step into it and you step away from the comfort of what you've become accustomed to in, in the operations, having people around you all the time, having a package that will come in and pick you up if something happens. When you step out of that and then once you embrace it, man, that is pure freedom. And it is, an, it is an accountability and freedom that is so releasing and so empowering. And there was no way I could ever go back to any other way of operating. Right. You said you had a similar experience like that. Oh, gosh. You know, being the, I'll just go back to 2004 um, when I was in Iraq. And uh, being the doc for an SF unit, for any unit for that matter, you're not really accountable to any line particular commander except for the battalion commander, the one guy, you know, that's your special staff too. And uh, as the doc, you know, if you're, if you're looking for patients, you go where they are. And so I found myself in a situation outside of Fallujah um, before it would be around April, uh, the first Fallujah push when uh, the contractors were hung from the bridge and et cetera, uh, Scott Helveston and that crew and uh, amazing guys. Um, and that was a, that was a big fight. And so I, I took a unit forward, uh, a team of, you know, guys, SF medics, and a couple of them, whatever we could fit in an M113 and a few vehicles to uh, can, to cover down. And we set up a, um, a forward aid station. Flights were going overhead, but the guys were not making it all the way. We needed to have something in between to be a kind of resuscitative care element. And uh, so I, I went, I did tell the night lieutenant <laughs> that was on battle captain type person, Hey, listen, I'm going over here. This is what's going to happen. Here's my five W's. This is what time I'll be back and I'll be checking in. Well, he went to bed, forgot to tell the people next day, doc is missing off the camp. Where is he? Uh, you know, and I get this radio call that comes through relayed through several different elements. And, uh, you know, my call sign went, uh, from that mission. I hated my call sign at the time. It was litter one. I felt like trash, you know, so litter one, you know, you need to contact so-and-so, you know, the six call, contact the boss. I didn't have time. I was busy um doing my stuff so a few days later uh now at the point of which i'm considered awol on the books um i got back and you know got lined out by the command however good job you know thanks for doing a good job and you're going to go talk to the man now and i did talk to sergeant major and that was uh you know that was an event but uh my call sign changed to rogue zero one r-o-g-u-e zero one so you, <laughs> you kept complaining about your litter call sign so we gave you a new call sign you're the rogue element I was like, well, what does that mean, sir, Sergeant Major? Well, you know what it means. You're AWOL, but we're going to cover down because you, you survived. And I said, well, if I didn't survive, I wouldn't be in trouble. So we're good. Um, but, uh, but, but from that, I learned a big lesson. The big lesson was is that sometimes in an in a exigent circumstance, you've got to take the bull by the horns. You know, Paul Revere was known for this. I listened to a book about him. He had a genius ability to put himself in the center of something because he saw the patterns and he saw it happening. And he knew that's where I had to be to, to fill in the gap to be at that place to tell them, Hey, the regulars are coming. Cause that's what he said. He didn't say the redcoats, the regulars are coming. All right. So that that's a key pivotal moment in a battle. There's always key pivotal moments and you, you either have a innate ability to find them or they find you, you know, and when they find you, it's called an ambush. Um, so you don't want to, you don't want to live there. I've been there too and learned a lot from it, but that's uh, yeah, that's when you operate like that. And then from that, you know, look, that was 2004. And from that, my career that went on, as, as I told you before, uh, till even now, um, sometimes you, you got to operate out there outside of the the lines, but yeah, commanders like when you report, I mean, that's, that's, they, they want that warm fuzzy. And, and that is, I think that's, I mean, it's human nature for one, but at the same time, these type of stories, I think really define the remnant. Because in order to be in that place, it you have to assume a martyrdom type approach. And that's not to be a hero. It's to do the right thing for a greater cause, knowing that whatever the sacrifice is, you're going to have to accomplish it. Oh, my gosh. That's so important. Yes, I, it, it's it's so important. Um, look, we, we are chosen. Um, and I'm not being um, egotistical in that. We are all chosen. I mean, we're all given this gift if we take it but but we were chosen long before we he knew us before we exist in our mother's wombs we we were called and we were chosen and we have to stand up to that and that doesn't mean that we're perfect or better than anyone i'm i'm, I'm a human being and i've i've waxed and waned in my faith life and my walk but i've always gone back to and that still small voice and listened and said go left not right and you'll survive 
and I'll continue to have you here. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. And that is when you listen to that and you know, you know, I, how did I find myself at the base of the Twin Towers on 9-11, six hours, seven hours after the planes hit? It wasn't happenstance or the Murrah building in Oklahoma City or or any of these events. It's it's to create us for the moment such as this, an Esther moment. This is where we're at. This is this, my friend, is the Super Bowl. This is the Super Bowl. Oh, that's so true. We just don't get the ring, but it's true. Yeah. And But you're going to get something much better. You get life, which is so incredible. It is. You. You mentioned something a minute ago, something we share in the first film that I did. I There's a scene at the end of the film when we were ambushed. I was with the Canadians. Mm-hmm. And in the script that I wrote, I, my comment was, the ambush changes you. Oh, yeah. And it, it, I know that you've had a similar experience, so I want you to share that in a moment. Yeah. Um, it really does. Because you your life perspective shifts, and you have that juncture in that moment of succumbing to fear and anxiety or rising above and saying, you will not conquer me and I will overcome. And in those defining moments, it really does define us. And so much of what people have, I don't know that people have completely internalized this yet, but we were ambushed in this COVID con and now they're lining up for ambush number two. And that's the thing about the ambush is it may look a little different on its face, but it's always the same in its core. Right. It, it's always the same method. Tell your story about an ambush. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I learned a lot. And uh, unfortunately, people on my side, you know, lost their lives. Um, but it is, it's war. And, it, and it's what happens. 12th of May, 2004, at a grid coordinate in the Mike Bravo sector of Baghdad, south of the uh, July 14 bridge, you know, three vehicle convoy running out to do a uh, neighborhood advisory council meeting, uh, low, low intensity op, you know, had the bolo of the day, you know, be on the lookout for the white Corolla, Toyota Corolla, right? Roger that. Uh, they're, they're everywhere. <laughs> the one that's, yeah, it's always the same one. White, white Corolla. Yeah. You're like, which one? So, right? yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm driving, I'm in the middle vehicle, of course, you know, three Humvees, not, not up armored. This is early on. And, uh, IEDs were not a thing at that time. Not really. I mean, they were out there, but not really. But then, then along came uh, Mahdi army guys, Muqtada al-Sadr, who got some help from some Iranians on how to build some really in- interesting uh, devices that, uh, could blow the heck out of you. Well, if you're in the middle vehicle and you've got a lot of antennas on your truck, you get blown up and that's what happened to me. And, uh, I survived it. Um, some people didn't. And, uh, walked out thinking okay you know step away from the vehicle don't have did not have a blue force tracker no device to tell me no gps inside to say where you're at what you're doing uh try to get on the radio try to call for help my antennas were blown off didn't know it uh tires on fire you know vehicles bent um luckily didn't drive directly over the 155 howitzer shell that buried in the road but uh just off off to the left uh quarter uh back quarter of the vehicle uh, lifted it up, brought it down. Windows went out. Windows came in. There's an overpressure thing. You just don't know where you're at. Uh, little pieces of shrapnel in me, but uh, you know, just just one of those things. And then uh, couldn't hear, couldn't see. You know, tunnel vision, all those things. That first test, right? That first sucker punch. Just like a, a fight on the ground, or just like a martial arts when you're in an arena. Um, you know, you get that sucker punch, or you get that punch that you didn't expect, and it throws you off your off your base. And when you're off your base, you're not fighting right. And when you get mad, you're not fighting right. And I wasn't mad because I really didn't know what was happening, but it was a sucker punch. And then from that, we survived that. We went on to a, a longer an engagement that day. Uh, the sheriff finally showed up. We called him the sheriff at the time, the uh, Cobra, actually a Marine Cobra, and, uh, and a QRF force. And, you know, I, I was very tactically immature at the time um, because you just, I hadn't been tried, even though I'd been a soldier for a long time. You don't know until you actually get there, what, what that means. It's just like, you don't know until you get the first ring when you're a purple belt and you fight some guy that's a green belt and you're thinking, okay, you know, I don't know until I get that first punch, but then I've been in the, in the arena with a green belt and hit a, you know, whooped a guy with a black belt. It has, it doesn't mean anything, but, but what it does mean is what are you going to do when you hit, get that first hit? All right. So what I say is, that was 12th of May 04. I had to make a decision 13 May 04. While I'm wearing my sling on my arm, got a hole in it. Uh, am I going to go out of this wire again and be the same uh, warrior? Or am I going to be worse or better? Am I going to be an asset or a liability? You got to ask yourself that. And and I chose to be an asset. And from that, that what changed my, my life was to study everything I could 
about IEDs because control your controllables, right? So I'm downrange, IEDs are coming along. Here they are. I'm going to learn everything there is to know. Hung out with the IED guys or the EOD guys, learned everything, looked at the markers, looked at the cues, studied the uh, hunter program. You know, the Marines have the hunter program, combat hunter. Uh, studied that to the point where I became an instructor in what the SF side we call softsat, uh, which is really left of bang theory, which is understanding, looking for cues. And cues are really easy. If you're a hunter, you understand cues. Getting in the woods, looking for sign, looking for game trails, all these things. You find these signs. Now you, you're left of bang on the timeline scale. Boom. And then I started instructing. Even instructed the uh, rifle company when we were in Guantanamo Bay while I was there because I was bored just Hey, let me teach you guys something in case you ever go down range, some of these young Marines. So that's what changed it all for me, as far as reading patterns and saying, okay, now I'm, I'm not operating out of uh, reaction, but I'm proactive and we're going to turn this around now. I went to the combat tracker course. I mean, I learned all these things. So I would never be ambushed again. Uh, and that, that, that's a learning point. No, I think it's huge. It's huge, Pete. I mean, that, that's a, it's a great story and it's, I can relate to it in my own way, you know, because following, following getting ambushed and then what ensued over the next couple of years, I ended up being a trainer at the counterinsurgency Institute in Kabul. There you go. Right. And it was just like the, because for my optic as yours was IEDs, mine was, mine was understanding cultural intelligence, understanding what's going on in the environment, how to read the people mm -hmm. and how to know what's going on. I mean, it's, it, it ends up saving so many lives and it empowers us to that place. And I think that's that, that moral that you just placed here are, or is so relevant to the current moment because here they've, they're going after something that people rely on. And, do, and I don't think everybody realizes it, but in one way or another, we have a worship related to it, which is money. Even in this, as far as separation as we want to be, we have a dependency on it. Maybe be of a better than worship. And now they're going right for the heart on this one. And they're building this picture, which is so interesting. It's like, you all are going to have to comply to the Fed. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I didn't sign up for this. No. And I am not going to sign up for this. So as I had that interview, as you know, with Mike Adams. Yes, good friend, yes. Good, good right, friend. and I know you guys are good friends, and Mike and I have become good friends. And it's really interesting because... A year ago, I had done a whole bunch of research on crypto, and I had found the one aspect of crypto that I could support. But then as things go along and the world gets busy, mm -hmm. I, I just kind of put it aside. And then he reawakened that yesterday, and he reminded me about, heard that. about you know um, privacy coins. And I was like, oh, my goodness, Monero. And so, I mean, this is a very specific example, but my point is there's an there's pieces out here when we release ourselves from the anxiety and the fear and we start leaning into father to go okay guide us in this moment we're going to find all sorts of amazing ways through this that we may not even see right now but as we start to say we are not going to be forced into this mm. it's that empowering moment especially when you have multiple minds you're telling a story of how you overcame i have my own story of how i overcame but imagine when you do that on an on a movement that's the size of an army, right? This is where we're at. I mean, we, I never wanted to be an influencer, you know, in, in back last year when uh, Senator Johnson said, you're going to be uh, giving your name on C-SPAN as a whistleblower, uh, Senator Johnson of Wisconsin on the DMED data, you know, medical stuff we found. Yeah, on the that shop. sounds really exciting, by the way. Yeah, right. That's good. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't have anything on the internet on me. You know, because I contracted for a while and I had to maintain certain, you know, persona and, and uh, clearances. I could not be on the internet. Here I am. Like, right. I will no, never I be able to do this again. Like, I had to yeah. make a decision. I took a day. I said, sir, can I take a day? Absolutely. But tomorrow I need to know. And I just went, you know what? This fight is bigger than me. This fight is bigger than my desires to be working the shadows. This fight is bigger than anything. And I'm going to have to be now overtly out there. And since then... I'm not famous in this. Uh, look, I don't get anything. I don't get paid for anything when I go speak. There are people that give love offerings, and I think that's awesome because I give it back. Uh, you know, my last one was, uh, you know, I tithed in church and I got tenfold back on a love offering that somebody gave. Those are great Americans. That's why we're doing this. But but this fight is so much bigger than us, and this fight is belongs to him. This fight belongs to him. Him, the capital H, him. You know, the boss. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't mean to be you know, flippant with that. I, I, I truly believe that. I, 
I, I think we walk in this and we have to be 100%. Uh, the Lord loves, has a heart for warriors. David, even though he was fallible, Solomon, who was fallible, but he has a heart for these people. You know, not Solomon not being so much of a warrior, but just he sought wisdom. When you seek that thing, and, and I tell people, look, we're, this, is, this is a time-sensitive target. Find the thing that you are least good at and hone that up. Sharpen that sword, both edges of it, because you're going to need it. Absolutely. That is so well said. And that's the other thing about the sword is it cuts two ways. That's right. This is a big thing. I, I talk a lot about the sword. I study the sword, mm-hmm. and you know, I've talked about that. And it's a, it's a discipline, quite frankly, I think that, just between you and I, I think that everybody, in, especially in special operations, should study mm-hmm. because of what it teaches you in so many other levels and disciplines of warfare. One of the things, like when we work with a weapon system, um, any platform, M4, M19, whatever we're going to do, we can take all our ammo out and we can dry practice on everything. Right. If you're going to truly practice with a sword, other than using a practice sword per se, when you pull that sword, it's live. Mm-hmm. That blade is live. And so the discipline and the understanding of what that leads you to and the consequence of your action becomes very visceral. And I'm not taking away anything from an operator's point or any sort of training in handgun training, but my point is there is a difference. There is a distinction the difference. in the tool. And when we wield it, it's one of the reasons, it's actually one of the origins of being meek, which is that when you drew the sword, you typically weren't putting it back until you had blood on it. Right. And it, from a, like Turkish fighters, even in Korean War, if they drew their sword and they didn't have blood on it, they would have to cut their own hand and put it back in the sheath. Mm-hmm. So we are in a, um, the mindset was always, if you're drawing the sword, it is to be used. Hence, when we get the principle of a meek and a warrior, it was the ferocity of that warrior that when they finally drew down and had to draw their weapon, there was only one purpose for that. Mm-hmm. And that was to attack decisively the enemy. So that mindset, and I argue this a lot, that mindset's very pervasive in scripture. And we see that in different forms. The sword is can be metaphorical. Gideon, it's it's the horns and the pots of light. Mm-hmm. David, it's the stones. Joshua, it's the sword. Christ, it's flipping tables and walking into the temples of the Pharisees. I mean, these are bold things, amazing. But when you threw down, you understood the consequences, and you were also making a profound position and statement in all of this. How do you see this today? If I just use an example based based on something that came to mind with this, we we have to consider, we have to understand, because many people don't, and it's not, you know, it's just it's just how it is. We are decisively engaged, decisively engaged. We may not know it, and that's called an ambush. Okay. So you don't want to be the ambush guy, the ambush E, um, having been there and done it. You you want to be decisively engaged and when you're decisively engaged i told my guys this on the border a couple years ago uh regardless of rules of uh of engagement um if if somebody shows up and this happened one night on the border with one of my guys he was decisively engaged in a fight for his life as a uh uh, illegal came across and i'm talking about an illegal um ms-13 type you know tattoo of a spider on his neck uh middle of the night dark three in the morning he's tired there's 600 people walking across a point and three guys charged him and they, they managed to get his gun out and he fought for his life for about two minutes. And if you've ever fought for your life for two minutes, I'm going to tell you, I haven't been at that, at that level, but I fought for uh, a, a competition for more than two minutes and it, and it's a fight. And this guy's fighting for his life until his buddies could get there. And he was decisively engaged and that's where we're at. And he, he came out of it well. He was a former boxer. He was a Golden Gloves. And he came out of it well. And, and it all turned out okay. But in the after action, as I'm going down there teaching these guys, guys, don't worry about the rules of engagement. Yes, they're there. But, you know, these are these are grunts. These are infantry guys. I've been there. you got to understand the mind of it. That's one of the problems, the disconnects between commanders and grunts. you got to talk to them like grunts. You're decisively engaged. At that point, you're fighting for your life. And, folks, I'm going to talk to you like a grunt. <laughs> You're, you're fighting for your life. Be prepared for 
all aspects of it. But when you, when you wield that, sh that sword, or when I pulled my pistol out as a, as a peace officer, cause I was a peace officer for a while and blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Listen, when you pull that out, it's going to be used. And it's unfortunate because they might've bought the ticket, but at that point, that's a moment of truth. And you're going to continue this fight. You will, or otherwise you're in a box. And that's, that's just facts of, of war. Now, I think this is a, such an important understanding for people right now to appreciate where we sit, mm. because this is this is all in, mm -hmm. and it's it's so in in that sense. There's a passage in Revelation that it's, it references: don't essentially don't be indecisive, don't be in the middle. You out, right? And this is a time to make the commitment: you're either in or you're out. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people still that are seeing this fight as a political fight. And it's so much more than that. It's what I call the Luciferian pendulum because it's, we go between what they literally use the term dark and light. And it's the swing between, and the way I, I do it just for the sake of it's Republican Democrat swing is the easy way, easiest way to say that. We have to step back from that, yeah. literally stand in that place of the captain of the Lord of Host army, which is when Joshua came to him and he's like, are you for us or against us? And one of the, I just love this line, one of my favorite lines in all of scripture, no. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm neither, I'm with God, right? That's the only way forward here. Right. And when we understand that oh. and appreciate that, we literally are in the place to proclaim ourselves as part of kingdom and this grounds in which we sit, stand as holy. And we can do that because we are the sons and daughters of the most high. We don't embrace that. And so I want to relate this back to you in a very interesting sense, because I have seen this happen. Special Forces is a very unique and very honored title. It is different than any other special operator in our, in our country. It is, separates you from Delta. It separates you from AFSOF. It separates you from MARSOC. It is unique. It was blessed and, and stood up. It was stood up by John F. Kennedy. And you guys even have your own prayer. I mean, this, this is no small issue, and it is always helping those that are lesser to rise up to power. Mm. What I have seen happen in my lifetime is I have seen, and it's to this point of not understanding who you are, and, and this, if this is getting some guys with a Green Beret ruffle, don't hear me out. Here's the deal is there was a derailment that happened during Iraq that the adrenaline of kicking in doors and shooting guys in the face became a singular mission in the core mission, which was always in, centered around engagement, Robin, Robin Sage, mm -hmm. and to empower those to be greater than they thought they could be was washed aside as a minimal mission. That's right. And yet the most, when I, and I, I say this firsthand because I worked with a number of teams on engagement. That was my specialty. Mm -hmm. And not because I was some guy that went through super schools. It's just how God made me. And I was blessed to walk that path to work with these guys. And one of the most rewarding experiences I had, we were down in Playas Training Center, which was on the border in New Mexico, on the border, right off the border. And we were training. And I went into the, the it, I had flown back, just back from Kandahar province and Helmand. And I flew right into their training space. And the sergeant major walked me around this beautiful training facility that they had set up to look like an Afghan village and a couple others. And he said, what do we need to do different? And I said, you need to take goats <laughs> and, and chickens and lock them in there all night. And then when the teams come in, it'll start to be more real to what Afghanistan looks like because this place smells too new. Yeah. The teams were so pissed. I mean, two of the teams threatened to walk off the training site. They were that mad. And the sergeant major calls me and he's like, don't worry about it. He said, I've got to manage this. But man, my boys are really upset over this. I said, okay. You know, and I held my line. Like, you asked me to give you advice. That's what we're doing. Well, here was what was awesome. So I'm, this fast forward six months or eight months, we're in southern Afghanistan. And I get off the bird. I'm with Scott Miller. I'm on his team. And this young uh, medic comes up to me and he goes, sir, I got to talk to you. I go, hey, what's going on? I haven't seen you for a while because he was at Playas. He goes, I want to thank you. He says, we were so mad at you. 
And he said, we got here to Afghanistan and the first, and we went to meet with the village elder and we asked for a place to set up our team and live in the village. And the place they gave us was an old collot where they had been keeping the goats and the chickens. Yeah. And he said, and we suddenly realized the value of the training, which did something else. It awakened in their own process, the real mission. Talk to me a little bit about that in the sense of being a Green Beret, mm-hmm. the challenges of, and because you are, and you think like when we talk enough, but I've, you didn't get swept up in the direct action stuff. You've held that mission. I was trained to be in that because I was at third group and we do have an element at third group at the time that did a lot of that. And so, um, and I, and I had a job there and I had a thing to do, you know, and be a, not only, a, a you know, the best med- medicine on the battlefield or superior firepower, some would say, but I would say that the best medicine on the battlefield is actually um, called prepping the battlefield, prepping the space, you know, and, and the center of gravity is not, is not real estate. The center of gravity is people. And, you know, we have to understand that as, as uh, uh, our predecessors did in the office of strategic services, the Jedberg teams that went out and they were force multipliers because they would jump in behind enemy lines and they would set up networks and they would force, force multiply, you know, the, the, uh, the ratio, the equivalent of a Green Beret ODA detachment of 12 men is uh, to be able to train up at least a battalion size element. You know, we're talking about a pretty, pretty good size element. And that, that force multiplication, uh, what it looks like on the ground, here's what it looks like on the ground. Uh, us going into, uh, you know, the uh, southwest corner of uh, Pakistan, or Afghanistan and, uh, you know, setting up networks of, uh, in a village stability operation, uh of inner and outer rings of security and then actually seeing some improvement by the people that we train by understanding their culture, their ways, their, their, their sit down with them for the chais and all that stuff. It's not kicking doors that did that. It wasn't kicking doors. And when we left there, we were relieved by another element that came in that was not UW unconventional warfare minded in the sense of Robin Sage and the true tactics of, of that. And, uh, and I don't want to badmouth any particular unit. I'm just going to say they came in and they started instituting, take the weapons away from the people that the Green Berets gave it to, and we're going to basically police this area. And when they went into that, they got in the biggest firefight that that element had been in since the war had started. So you, you see, and ultimately we, we know what happened in Afghanistan. It, it was a bigger, you know, bigger um, subversion than we, than we could have imagined. But at the time, when you're doing unconventional warfare, that's what you do is you focus on those 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 things the, the center of gravity the people you know the, the cultures the and it, you know that's very mamby pamby sounding right oh you know green berets how we you know but that's not our mission that that was not our mission but we got thrown into that it wasn't it wasn't the fault of the odas it was the the commanders on the ground making you know the, the rcs the regional command saying hey let's use these guys and go you know conduct a bunch of night raid missions uh rolling people up and there is a place for that but there's also uh, you're you're taking away from the from the training. The training is a year to year and a half long, and 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 then you're and then you're just a new guy. You know you're the you're still the Padawan. You know you're 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 just sitting in the corner carrying heavy stuff and running fast. Um, and you really don't learn until you get out there. But I, I think there was a disservice done to many of the young guys that just never got a real feel for what that deal presso deal presso libera really means. Uh, and it like I said it was not their fault. Um, and I've had this conversation with numerous Green Berets, older guys like me that, you know, that see it and, and think, you know, we've got to get back to that. And, and they, and they did to some degree, you know, they being the, the USASOC, um, Special Operations Command, in that they created Jedberg like teams. And so that, that's a good thing. Uh, and I, and I pray that we continue to go that way because that's what we do. Otherwise, I mean, stay in the Ranger bat or stay, you know, go, go try out for, you know, tier one unit. Uh, there, there's a need for that. But we we don't want to lose that specialty skill because that's what JFK when he handed the when he when he authorized the wear of the green beret to General Yarborough, uh, uh, that that was an important moment because that he understood the the meaning the meaning of limited warfare and, and what and the 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 force multiplying ability to take a lot less guys, <laughs> not this big military industrial complex and throw it into there. But it makes one wonder: was that for you know at least the last twenty years in Afghanistan was that not the uh, geopolitical purpose. I think that's a great point here because one of the things that we are facing now is this sense of being 
overmatched in this fight. And I, I say this all the time, is it, and I, mm-hmm. biblically we reference back to Gideon, where we start with thousands and we end up with 300. Right. And literally that 300 conquers a massive army. I don't see things any different today, no. but I think it's, it's the heart of the warrior we're talking about here. And, and it's the understanding that where people are, and, and so I want to go back to your like young Green Beret. Mm-hmm. Uh, the x-rays are a good example, which are, for those that don't know, x-rays are the ones that are taken right from the street, fast-tracked all the way through training, and then put onto a, a, a special forces team. There is a lack of wealth of experience or wisdom, would be a better term, to appreciate how much a Green Beret can do without ever having to raise, the, to have to raise their sort of steel in the metaphor, right? Right. What you're getting at here, and, and again, I'm going to be clear, I've never been, I'm not in any way speaking against direct action at points, nor am I trying to suggest that somehow Green Berets sold their souls or whatever. But it became the mission and it became overwhelming in the culture as well because direct action has a whole adrenaline component to it. And the difficulties and patience of operation, which requires that slower, your FID, your your unconventional warfare methodology, it's a long game. It's not a short game. And so we're very similar in parallels as I see today because people want a quick fix and they've been raised on this idea in a negative way in the culture, what I call McDonald's drive-thru culture. You want it now. Oh, yeah. Where what we are facing is a steady long game. And right now, patience is the critical thing and, and adapting as the, as the environment is adapting around us. So we're seeing a morphing enemy who's finally revealing their whole hand, which I see as fantastic, by the way. I'm looking at this going... You dudes are literally so desperate. You're throwing everything out for us to see, and you're even accelerating your plans. Sure, it's going to be a little disruptive, but this is giving us an ability to adapt and overcome. That's right. This is a left of bang theorist's dream. I mean, this is you know you are you are flagging me at every corner, and I'm just watching you you know conduct your operation before you conduct it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, I mean, what would be your words of empowerment to people there on that? Because that wisdom is, I think, what people need to hear a lot. And it's it's not in any way saying, you all don't know what you're doing, but it's, here's some wisdom from combat. Here's some wisdom from some of the experts. So what would be your advice? Right. Well, you know, we, we, want to, we want everything now and we're used to comfort and we've got to adopt and we've got to embrace the suck, so to speak, the, the discomfort that uh, we need to slow down, okay? We need to slow down because we haven't conducted enough iterations of this. When you draw your pistol and you conduct it, you know, 10,000 times, then, then okay, you can come to me and say, all right, I expect you to hit center mass every time and, and do it under duress. But right now, slow down, take a breath. And like I say to people on a code in the hospital, a brand new paramedic, when he's sweating and heart's beating, I'm like, take your own pulse first. What? Yeah, I've actually done this in a code. Go outside, take your pulse, come back and report it to me. Okay. Well, I'm not sure why you're doing this. Just go outside and do it. I don't need you in here right now. Okay. <laughs> nice. And they they get it. When they come back in, they're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I was a little bit heightened. Yes. Slow down. Think. Um, control the controllables. I say this a lot, but this is so true. You know, when you're when you're shoot malfunctions and you're going to the ground at terminal velocity, 120 miles an hour, there is a certain set of procedures called EPs, emergency procedures. You control that first controllable and then we'll get the next one. But we, we collectively, you know, we goose, we got to do this together because force multipliers need a force. We need auxiliary. We need gorillas. And I'm not talking about kinetic. I'm talking about, we need people to, to be action people. And when you start doing that and you embolden yourself and you do it and you, and you do it in your walk and you tie the walk together, you know, there, there's a uh, Jeremiah, I think is just, uh, I'm going to probably butcher this we will stumble repeatedly and we'll fall over each other and we'll say, get up, let's go back to our own people and our native lands away from the sword of the oppressor. Okay. So we, we've got to be together. There's we in there. There's not I, none of that is I, this is we, we will stumble repeatedly. We will fall over each other. That's, that's just a fact of life. It's called Murphy sometimes and it's okay, but we'll learn and we'll just fire. 
and we'll come out of this together, we the people, and and the remnant, if you will. Right. That's so well said. That's empowering. That is empowering. And I promise you, you'll look at the next time when they call you and say, just like it's happened to us in Tagal Valley, you know, 24 guys in a base camp smiling at each other when you hear the radio say the ISR is reporting or the drone is reporting you got 300 Taliban inbound and you got 24 guys smiling at each other like, yeah, target rich environment. <laughs> That's the best right there. So agree. That's really good. So you know about our sourdough revolution. You and I have talked a little bit oh, about yeah. that. Give some thoughts on that. Well, you know what? You you were uh, I've got, I'm gonna I'm gonna call not call you out. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell some truth here. That you know I got this grill that you sent me, and it is amazing. Okay, first of all, it's amazing. I haven't cooked on it yet, but I set up I'm like this is like a this is like an M1 Abrams of grills, <laughs> right? And so this thing is cool. But you talked about you know breaking bread, and and we and we talk about that you know in church we break bread, we sit down together. It's a symbol of you know the body of Christ, but it's also the ability to go out make bread and i'm not a bread maker but i'm learning and i realized that i had to have a concoction made five days before i can actually make sourdough but that's okay we're getting there but uh once you get that culture going boy then you you could do this but you share and you and you just take it somebody you don't know and get to know your neighbors because that's your inner and outer ring of security those people that you don't know in your neighborhood or in your in your city or your county or whatever get to know them and, and what a great idea and so i'm i'm, I'm walking in it and i'm I've got my, uh, as soon as we get done with this, I'm going to the store to buy the ingredients I need. It doesn't seem that difficult, but, uh, you know, like like we talked about before, learning how to weld or learning how to build or learning how to work cattle, uh, you got to start somewhere because otherwise, you know, but when you do that, that's a free freeing experience and the freeing experience of sharing with somebody, uh, sharing the word, sharing a bond. Even if you don't, you're not there to proselytize, but you're just there to do what it says in the book, to, to love others. Like you love yourself, love on people. Yeah, get out there and do this. No, that's, I think it's really true, and I love the fact you're you're getting in on it. And you and I talked too about just the the there's um, I mean, this is God that gave this. I'm not taking any credit for this whatsoever, but there is a a UW component to this that is so important, oh, yeah. which is engaging and getting to know somebody who may be a stranger and impassioning them with your own passions through simple acts. That's pretty native to how you guys operate. Absolutely. You find that common ground, you know, and everybody likes deep bread and everybody likes sourdough as far as I know. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that look, I, I mean, when we jumped into Robin Sage, the training exercise that gives you, you know, ultimately you graduate the, the Q course, green berets. Um, you know, we jumped in with a bottle of whiskey, you know, and I had it with me because I knew that when I got on the ground, I was going to deal with a G force commander in training, uh, somewhere in the Hills of North Carolina that, uh, I probably could win a lot of hearts and minds with this thing. However, the guy that I had was a recovering alcoholic and couldn't drink it. So therefore we shared it on the team, but the intent was, the intent was to share something that would, 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 uh, break the ice, so to speak. And that is definitely a tech. It's a technique, but it's, it's just, if we consider the center of gravity people, well, what do people want? Well, there's something else to add to that, which I think is important. And I think it's endemic and it's a good lesson here. That experience in Robin Sage, when you do have the whiskey and there's, it usually comes up. You're having to make a difficult choice as a soldier formed in a military that says, do not drink. Right. And you now have to make a decision about having a sip, for example, of whiskey, not because you are trying to break your violations, but because your mission is different in special forces. Right. Your mission is to engage and to in, interact and to, to a certain degree meld with the local population. And there's certain things you're, within limits that you have to do. When I say that, I'm just thinking about Iraq and Afghanistan. There's a lot of things I'll never do. Uh, yeah. they're, they're pretty much crazy. But my point is that we are pushed to the limits as, and in the, in the spiritual sense, this is God testing us. I mean, we were, we're needing to push ourselves now past our comfort zones to start realizing that the great things that sit before us are going to be defined by us trusting in him and not in this system. Yeah, and everything designed in this society right now is designed to take us away from community. The phones, the iPads, the computers, the this, that, the staying at home alone and just, you know, getting on the internet for six hours. It, it's designed to do that for a reason. It's to break that culture, to uh, show us who we are not. <laughs> and then, and we've got to we've got to break that. 
Uh, and this is, and, and and the sourdough bread thing is is just, you know, God led in my in my estimation, because it, it is it is the opposite of that is getting you out there and looking at people in the eye, and then and, and hearing their stories and giving them a moment of uh, acknowledgement. And nine out of ten people, possibly in certain areas of the country, don't want to be bothered, but so be it. Those moments will happen. So is the shaking, right? So comes the shaking. Right. Ken, as we wrap this up, you've been doing a lot of work in Texas uh, as well in getting people to grow food. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there was a gentleman out of Florida and I was on his show, Jim Gale, and he has Food Force Abundance. And, and we talked and we had a great time. And I went out there for a month and I just learned everything there was to know about permaculture and electroculture, combining the two with also the ability to teach people how to do that. And what perfect Greenberry thing, right? Go out there and teach people how to be self-sufficient. Because I told him, I said, Jim, the sovereignty and the freedom is in the solution. And the solution is in the sovereignty. We don't have to ask permission to grow things. We don't have to get approval. We don't have to do anything. We can grow for ourselves and then to share and to create a farmer's market, if you will, or whatever. And if this neighbor in, in neighborhoods, in the yards, I mean, it's amazing. So we're exporting that. Uh, he is, and I'm going to head up the, the Texas branch of it uh, with some folks here that are going to just learn how to do it. And it's not the only you know entity that's out there. He's not cornered the market or anything that's not already out there. He just found a way to get it out there in mass. And so, and I know that you're, you're big into this too. And, th and this, what I grew up doing in, you know, in my family, you know, uh, with, with cattle and hay and those kind of things. So we just take it to the next level where the victory garden now has steroids on board. I'm not, not literally steroids, but you know, through this electroculture, you can produce higher yields, et cetera. But that that's in, in that comes freedom. And in that comes the ability to teach your children how to do it. Or actually they may teach you if they go to the academy, but then the next generation is self-sufficient and not relying on a Monsanto product in a, in a cardboard box. That's well said. I think what you just hit there too, that's so important, Pete, is that it is what we, the fight we are in is multi-generational. Oh yeah. And that if people can embrace that simple fact of not to have an expectation of seeing the victory in their lives, but instead planting the seeds for the victory to be beyond our horizons, we have a huge advantage over the enemy. That's it. You know, the seduction of comfort is one of the things that made us weak as a nation. And the, and I venture to say that when you get out and you and you break your back on in the soil, and it's and and I, I shouldn't use that term breaking your back, but work in the soil in a in a stewardship sort of way, and then sharing the produces of your of your toil. There is some satisfaction in that, just pure satisfaction. And yeah, it's a little bit more dis discomfort. You got to get up a little early. You got to go to bed a little later. Um, but there's there's some satisfaction there. Absolutely is. Well, Pete, you're on Telegram. Are you anywhere else? Telegram, Twitter, and uh, Truth. But uh, you know, you can look me up. It's either going to be Doc Pete, D O C Pete Chambers, or uh, yeah, I mean that's if you Google me on those, you'll find them. I, I don't have the the links, and it's okay. You, you'll find me if it was meant to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well said and just so i say it your telegram's awesome you really keep it active and you got a lot of stuff going on there well, we always close with a prayer and if it's okay with you I'll, I'll close with a prayer yes sir father god we're just blessed again for another amazing guest and and a man now that wears the green beret and literally has been an inspiration to many as he shares his experiences and brings them into the real life fight as you call the warriors to the line so, Father, we pray for this moment is so many that will be inspired to hear the heart of the warrior and to stand up, be bold, be fearless, to understand that it isn't about numbers. It's about our heart in you. And as we've talked today, do we be inspired by your guidance, your word, your, your hand in all that we do to know that this enemy has nothing that we can't overcome. Bless Pete and his continued work pray that his message will continue to resonate deeply in people's hearts. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. His name. Amen. Well, brother, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Always. Mm -hmm. And uh, send me a picture of your, your, your sourdough. I will. Yeah. I'll even, uh, I'll, you know what, for you, I'm going to take my, uh, my old family heirloom CSA saber, and I'm going to cut the cross in the top of it with that. 
<laughs> That's totally awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. That's going to be epic, I'll tell you. Well, and, oh, and something else people should know, I think you're going to be speaking at one or more of the Bards Fest, right? Brother, I will be there with my dog and my trailer. We're going to be on the road. We will be around the country. That's awesome. Look forward to it. It'll be wonderful for people to meet you and hear you. Well, Pete, have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome conversation today, man. Keep safe and Roger that. keep in Christ, man. Thank you, sir. It's awesome. God bless. All right, God bless. So, Patriots, that was Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, Special Forces retired. Just a great voice in all of this, a man who walks with God and truly fights a hard fight. He's somebody I'm really happy to have on the Patriots' side, I'll tell you. He's worked at the border. He's been working up in D.C., and he's basically all over the country doing what he can for communities and living exactly what that Green Beret stands for. So part of this is just to remember that there's some amazing, amazing veterans and amazing people out here that are fighting the good fight. And that's to reinforce the thought that we are not alone. There are great people out here, strong voices, strong people on the ground. And when you have attitudes like that and the fighting spirit of the warrior, we're going to win. may not happen right away, but these tyrants have no chance. So Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.